This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Today's show is presented by DaVinci Smart Drink. Order yours now at lineupmedia.fm forward slash DaVinci. DaVinci, excite better thinking. Need a mental boost? DaVinci Smart Drinks were designed with professional thinkers in mind. With key ingredients shown to improve cognitive function and increase mental energy, DaVinci Smart Drinks excite better thinking. Drink a DaVinci. Let it go to your head. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. And, of course, I encourage you to check out theropetrainer.com. I think you'll be real impressed with an awesome training device, uh, a great way to save some of those unnecessary throws on your your young player's arm. Uh, Excited about today's show as I'm going to welcome in a a good friend and and a, a guy that taught me a lot about the game of baseball and how to coach it and uh, really one of the other things too is how to relate to kids and, and how to relate to my own son so it's a real pleasure uh, you guys are aware that you know my son now is in high school and I'm kind of done coaching him but for those six years seven years whatever it was coaching to have this guy somewhat available to us because he's busy but when he was around we always felt like uh, we learned something and that's the Edwardsville High School baseball coach Tim Funkhauser what's going on bud oh not much just the grind of getting ready for the season our guys are lifting weights and and um, they're getting better with their skill stuff, hopefully, and and uh, that will translate to the spring. So I think everybody this time of year is trying to wait for the weather to break and get out there and play some ball. Yeah, it's interesting as I, like I said, as I sit on the sidelines now and watch. You know, you with Logan being in high school now, he's part of your high school training. You know that you guys do the off season stuff that, that he does on his own. Obviously, you guys are pretty limited in what you can and can't do. But um, it's, it's interesting to see him with that group of kids as he, you know, as he gets older. Um, one of our assistant coaches, I had texted him the other day. I was at a camp, Darren Hendrickson Slough Camp, mm-hmm. and I had told him, I said, you know, this was no disrespect to the other kids, but I really felt like some of the things we did were right, watching a few of our kids over there fundamentally. Um, the way I felt like we did it and focused on the fun and fundamentals and kind of put them together, it just felt like it was natural for those kids. So as you progress as a high school coach, how important has it been for you addressing the youth portion that comes up through your program as well? Well, you only have a certain amount of time to do um, do 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 what you can control. And um, over the years, we've had camps and and uh, offer different instruction and and um, try to create opportunities, whether it's providing a certificate for a youth team or something like that to help benefit. But ultimately, those players are going to. Uh, kind of feed in at our program and and uh, develop and I've learned to just kind of focus in on as they as they get older um, they're going to have different things to work on and and it's pretty tough to stretch out to the really younger ages but it's been a pleasure being a part of my son's team and I appreciate you including me uh, in the in the in the coaching aspect and the parenting aspect and and uh, my son's in eighth grade my younger one's in sixth grade so everything's kind of fast forward now recently with them getting older like oh they're getting they're getting older it's a time to 
to really hone in a little more. So I think the the thing that I've kind of learned is is not rush it too much, but they got to do enough as they get older to to build skill, and ultimately they have to be motivated enough to do it themselves and enjoy it. And I think that's a fine balance. Yeah, for me, the thing is, is now what I find myself doing is, and I don't, I'm not doing as much as I thought I would. I thought, okay, you know, he's going to play some summer ball. He's hopefully going to play high school, and we'll do all this stuff. And I thought, okay, well, you know, like I always joke around and say, he's Tim's problem now or he's whoever's problem now. But the reality of it is I thought, and maybe it's because it's winter and I don't have access to just go anywhere. Maybe it'll be more in the summer, but I thought it'd be neat now and and i love all the kids i coach but i thought you know now you know just be me and him go out and work on some things Mm -hmm. and we did a little bit of that in the fall once i knew it was over for me and i kind of do look forward to that for you though i mean you're so busy is it hard to get away and just be dad and be with your kids um it's hard i kind of have to schedule some time with them and and um and it's I've I've looked at it as a, a situation where I don't want to look back later and feel like I missed out on that time. So for me personally, I try to manage it when I get home. I try to be there uh, more intently. I wasn't as good at that. I brought a lot of stuff home with me, and and uh, I've got better at that. And um, I think from the standpoint of letting them be themselves and not try to be okay. This is Coach Dad, and and just this is Dad and. And uh, if we want to go out and work on some things, then then I just had a discussion with my uh, sixth grader last night, and he's helping out with his team. And I just told him that when you're part when you're part of that group, I'm gonna treat you like everybody else, and we can talk about different things when we get home or later. But bottom line is, I want you to be engaged in what you're doing and and be there 100 percent, and don't think differently if I cor- correct you. And it's it's. Um, going to hopefully be positive feedback and you can make adjustments from there you know one of the things that that i love about you and your history in the game and you don't know this yet i'm just going to tell you is your dad was also a high school baseball coach so you grew up the the son of a baseball coach i think it translated well into you and how you handle your business i'm I'm sure your dad was an influence on you Mm um i ran into your dad yesterday outside we talked for about 30 minutes because i your dad is the greatest i but it was interesting to hear him talk about Evan and the things he wants to do with Evan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, man, I, you know, I really, and, and you know, cause so he still has that fire. Oh know? yeah. How, what's it like for you having your dad, you know, obviously a, as a sounding board, I guess, or maybe an idea board. I mean, does he still do that stuff with you? Yeah. You know what he's, he, when I started coaching, he was very good about allowing me to have space without being judgmental. But the same token is I could bounce different things off of, and he would just kind of tell me, like, this: these are some of the things that we did, or, or it's the fundamentals. And one year I tried to get him to come out, and he was like, well, I don't want to spend as much time. I just want him to be the bunning coach. Like, just come out and work on bunning. We'll structure 20 minutes. But uh, one time he got to uh, dress at Bush Stadium with us, so that was neat to have. But he was a great influence with me. He's been a great influence my whole life of just modeling the behavior and and the competitiveness without being overbearing and also um, just being supportive and being present. And uh, there's times where he'll tell me, like, you guys got to do this better out there on the field or whatever. And and I'll t- try to take that information in without uh, getting upset at him or whatever. But um, 
he's right. Yeah. And and we and and I know that those are some of the things that we need to address, but um he'll let you know. So that's yeah. good. Little is there any pressure? I mean, you know, obviously he was a very good coach. The way he mm-hmm. the way he raised you, I mean, did a great job in my opinion. And then now you're the dad and you're the coach. Yeah. You know, your son probably be playing for you here soon. Do you feel like, man, I got to do this right like my dad did? Well, I think I mean, I, the Funkhausers are not anything close to the Ripkins, but you have <laughs> you have Cal Ripken Sr. raising his kids, and I was always a uh, a Cal Ripken Cal Ripken Sr. and a Cal Ripken uh, or a Billy Ripken fan. So um, you see that how he kind of taught them to play the game, and then he wasn't there all the time, so they needed to learn the game themselves. As, and I think just growing up. I never had I never felt the pressure. My dad was out of uh coaching by the time I got to high school, but I never felt the like a overriding pressure. Um there would there would be conversations in the garage whenever maybe I wasn't given as much effort or needed to be a little more committed. Um but it was always uh address the issue and then back off and and give me space and and I always thought I would I've kind of got commented probably the the comments I had may may not have been of how far I hit a ball or how hard, how hard I threw it, but it was about respecting the game and playing it hard, and I think that's a direct influence from him. When uh, when do you think that you made that mental decision? Like I'd like to I'd like to coach. I mean, I'd like to make it a career. Um, I remember my dad came into a uh, a um, oh when the when the um, elementary and they come in and they you show them show them what you got or whatever and my dad it was show and tell show and tell i forgot (laughs) spit it out bigger than a bread box there we go show and tell well my dad was my show and tell and he brought in schedules when he was coaching and and he came in and i had always thought about it some and that was kind of what intrigued me a little more and then over the years whenever i'd be hanging out with him at the ballpark i knew that that was a, a space where i felt comfortable and enjoyed and then um, as I went to college and played, uh, played college ball, I knew I, I was always trying to think of being a coach and that's something that's, uh, kind of persisted and, and, um, so he had a great influence in that standpoint. You know, as you, as you move into this thing, um, and you know, you become, you know, really very seasoned at this, um, you know, as you have become this coach I know a big thing for you and you know you're actually getting ready to leave this weekend to go do it is your education as a coach uh you know I'm sure at some juncture maybe you knew that that was going on but you know now it's so prevalent trying to you know deal with all the changes in the game you know health issues how to get better how to do this how to do that has it gotten to the point now where it's almost like a continued education uh for me it's always been that way from the standpoint of a um being um a young player and then turned right into coaching i went from uh um, being a grad assistant for one year at western illinois and then sure enough turned around and got the head job at triad high school so i was an assistant for a semester uh, under dick paulo and he was a big influence uh, with me but I didn't get that amount of time to really get saturated. So from right from the very beginning, I took it as I'm uh, I'm going to try not to be the young guy that's just making young mistakes and everybody's saying, hey, you're making young mistakes because you're not educated. 
So I tried to uh, kind of self-educate as well as just probe other people, and and um, I, I enjoy that portion, and that's that's been a continuance uh, from the time where I was playing, and I knew I wanted to coach till till now. So I really look forward to the clinic season. Last year, I attended four and and just finished up watch or listening to the I seventy clinic and heading up to the Illinois high school coaches, and and uh, those are those are really. They're fun, inspiring, and uh, you end up learning a lot other than just sitting in the in the, the the rooms listening to the speakers, but you learn a lot from the other coaches and what they're going through. You know, I've said I talk about it on here about coaches needing to be coached. There's nothing wrong with saying that, in my opinion, and I use the example all the time, and it, you know, it is you. You're one of them. I use as the example that the first clinic I happened to be at, I wasn't actually with you. I was there with, with Justin, but – you know, I remember looking over at you and just how intently you were taking notes and recording stuff. And I mean, it, you, it was like you were in school. It really was. And, you know, obviously I think very highly of you as a baseball coach, but the reality of it is it was you and every other guy in that room was that way. Very few guys were just kind of sitting there listening. And the reality was there was a lot of really good coaches there. And it would just amazed me at, you know, it's no, it's, it's like you realize right then and there, there's no secret to this it's no nobody's got it all figured out it's a continual learning process now you're heading up to chicago this week and we're actually going to do a, a a small portion of the clinic yourself but um what are you going to this weekend uh illinois high school baseball coaches association so uh fortunately my my predecessor tom Pyle, took me up to the the first time i went my first year of coaching and he spoke at that and i was able to go up with some veteran coaches and really kind of um, learn the ropes and meet a lot of people and network throughout the state and um, really get established within the uh, the coaches association and it's largely based out of Chicago obviously but uh, they've they've been welcome very welcoming to the southern Illinois uh, coaches and and to Edwardsville baseball in particular but um, got a short portion of some popcorn drills with some other guys from the southern half of the state, so that'll be fun to to present some and, and listen to the other speakers. Now, uh, what I think is great is, and I tell people this all the time, there are obviously big conventions out there, but they pop up all over the place. So, you know, I encourage people to go and see them. You and I actually had talked about the fact that it just so happened that this one is the same weekend, so you're going to Chicago. What's interesting is that you're going to Chicago, and our friend, our mutual friend, Justin Stone, is coming to St. Louis to speak at the Midwest Baseball and Softball Convention. Everybody knows he's a big part of the show. But I know you had kind of said that it kind of, you know, you were kind of like, wow, I can't believe I'm going to Chicago and Justin's coming down here because I know you're a big fan of his. Oh, I am. He's, he spoke several times at, at the Illinois Coaches, um, and they used to have it at the Bulls facility and the, the Bulls uh, um, White Sox training facility and uh, where he used to work out of and and um, he's he's brought a lot of knowledge uh, I always like the way he's able to share and just present the information and he, you can tell he's always working on being cutting edge and trying to uh, feed that information out to uh, kids as well as uh, coaches and um, got had a chance to hear him last year at our uh, baseball coaches association which is our national high school association here in St. Louis so um yeah, he's been he's he's very good at presenting of his information and and being able to uh, kind of relate that information to kids and how they learn. Yeah, and that was one of the things I know. My our first experience talking about Justin was a few years ago. 
when I had gotten to to realize who he was through a through a friend of mine, and it was interesting. I I remember our first conversation. I what was what was really weird was I noticed you kind of doing some things that I'd seen him do, and I made a natural. And then you were like, "Yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. we like him." So for me, as as those years went on when I was coaching our sons, what I found interesting about it was is this is a guy that's working with some of the best high school talent, semi-pro talent, pro talent in the whole country, but yet his stuff really translated to youth. Do you get that sense that, like, if you – you know, for our listeners out there that are entertaining the idea mm-hmm. of maybe going over there this week, you know, would you say it's an accurate description? Because it's kind of how I do it, but I'd, I'd like to hear from you because you have had to translate stuff both from your younger son all the way up through your seniors in high school. Is his stuff really easily translatable to all ages? Yeah, I think it really correlates. I think as coaches, you're always stealing or borrowing information. That's what the coaches fraternity in general uh, is really good about sharing information and or sharing information and really not kind of hold stuff back. And he's been at the forefront of that. But as as you as I sat and listened to him over over the time, first time I might have heard it, it was like, mm, yeah, that make that makes some sense. And then as I heard and kind of absorbed him, especially about hitting, it started to uh, just yeah, that's that's kind of what my core beliefs are. And it's interesting that he I kind of followed John Maley before I uh, was able to uh, listen to Justin Stone and their bud uh, buddies and. And uh, I think they used to kind of partner up uh, around the, the Chicago area, uh, even prior or whenever he was in the, the minors coach. And then Mark Little was a guy that I um, used to do hitting instruction with, a buddy of mine that went to high school. You, you know Mark, that uh, played pro ball and uh, started talking to him about hitting. And sure enough, John Maley comes in and, but uh, I think the, the terminology and the way he presents it uh, was something that we were all kind of saying the same things, but then the simplicity and, and the phrases that he was able to use, I think, really made connections. And then just like anybody else, I think kids now do it, or kids do it nowadays, and I think coaches used to be the only ones that would do it, that you would kind of fact check. So you'd go to a clinic and learn some things, and you'd either try it out yourself or nowadays you can watch video of different guys and say, okay, what are the, the fundamental bases that are being presented here, and are they doing what you're actually uh, trying to teach? And um, to get that style, to understand the difference between style and also the fundamental, uh, he does a really good job of that where he's, it's not trying to pigeonhole a person but allow their athleticism to come out. Yeah, another guy that you might be familiar with, and you know, I I think I always assumed that you would be familiar with him because his family's from Granite City. But the reality of it is, he's made a career in Major League Baseball. I don't know how familiar you are with Kirk Champion, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know, he's going to be there. Uh, you know, and he's a minor league fielding coordinator. I, you know, he's going to talk a little bit about surprisingly, he's going to talk a little bit about different pitches and why they work, and and probably why they try to throw him to get ground balls and things like that. But I've seen him speak as well, and mm-hmm. he's fantastic. Yeah, I've I've seen him. I've 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 heard him speak on a couple different occasions, and and Babe, his dad was a legendary uh, Granite City coach. That my dad and his dad always had battles, and and when his his dad comes by our field and checks in, and always wants to ask how my dad's doing if he's not there, and um, the champions. I mean, Kirk and Keith are are um, great baseball knowledge, and 
and they're always sharing. I, I know I ran into Kirk uh, a couple of years ago when we were playing over at Altoff, and his son was there, and he was sharing information about what he was doing now uh, nowadays. But, um, yeah, he's a wealth of knowledge. I know Darren Hendrickson speaking. There's several other speakers I looked over. The Eric Wedge, I've never heard Eric Wedge speak, but he became a big league manager at a young age. I don't know what he yeah. was. But uh, I know he played at Wichita State and then went to there. And uh, you could – the sense that I got was everybody had just a great around, amount of respect for him. And um, Mark has a great lineup, and I, we should be two places at one time. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, you're going. But, yeah, you know, you brought up Darren Hendrickson. I had him on last week. He was talking a little bit about it and about the, the need for coaches. And, hey, listen, we know they're busy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, most youth coaches probably have kids, so that means they might be playing basketball or they might or their daughter might be doing something, whatever it may be. But again, all we've all we're saying is we're encouraging you that if you can get over there, go. You know, Darren, it looks like he's going to speak. Uh, he's going to talk about pitching and what the pros do, but he's going to gear it towards the youth. Darren's a pretty passionate guy when it comes to youth and the arm stuff. So my anticipation is judging by his topic that a big thing he says is is that the pros don't do some of the things that we're asking kids to do. Now, you and I have had some conversations over the years of things that we have seen on the weekends, and I know it gets head-scratching, head-turning. You, you and Darren, I say this all the time, have been the biggest influence in the change that I made as a youth baseball coach because I know some of the things I did with my older son were wrong. Now, maybe we got away with it, and I think that's part of the issue. You do a lot of things, nothing happens, so you think, eh. But then, man, it only takes one time, and, and let's face it, it's all almost like a ticking time bomb. Now, you've seen a lot of things, and I know you're not a critical guy. That's not your way. But Darren's got some real important stuff to say. I'm of the belief that if you're a youth guy and you are asked to coach kids, you're putting them on the mound, you're deciding what they're doing, I think it'd be pretty important. Yeah, I've heard Darren speak several times and known him for a long time. And, and uh, his, his, uh, his oldest son's in our program and, and, and does a really good job, but – Darren has a he does he is passionate about it and exactly he is he's behind the scenes at the big league level he's uh taken or he's taken SLU to in, in my mind like a top 40 program and a perennial power in the A10 and he can also relate that to the youth and and he'll he'll tell people whether they want to hear it or not what he believes they should be doing and it is not a guy that doesn't have a feel for it. He has a feel for it uh, at all ages. And um, I think that's so important that he can be able to relate. And and sometimes as we hear information, it doesn't sink in right away. But over time, uh, if you keep listening enough, it'll make sense. And, and I'm working through that myself and everything I do in life, but let alone baseball and all the – the adaptations that are going on in the game and trying to uh, stay stay current myself and figure out the best uh, source for, for knowledge as well as uh, presenting it to our kids. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy that I've, I've known Darren, obviously, for a long time. But I remember when our kids were younger, um, you know, I was looking to him for some advice because uh, I, you know, because – I, listen, you guys are busy, so you can't do the head roll. But when Darren was around, if he could be there, he helped. You were the same way. If you could be there, you would help because you want to, right? It's mm-hmm. your kid, and you want to make sure and all this. But I remember having conversations with him about it. And, you know, this was at the time where I do look back and realize I was doing some things the wrong way. 
and not that I did it perfect at the end, but I mean, you know, we were doing some things that were, that were definitely wrong. But I remember asking him about it and he says, well, it's funny you ask. He said, uh, uh, once a year I go to Chicago with the Cardinals, you know, and I throw BP the whole weekend. They put, he goes, it's a great trip for me. He said, you know, with, with Reed being starting to do this, I went to Dave Duncan, you know, that's the thing I, you know, we talked to whoever I went to Dave Duncan, started asking a bunch of questions. And he told me, he said, Darren, get Cal Ripken's book, grip baseball, my way. Or, or his dad's stuff and just read it so here he is in chicago for a cards cub series and he says he goes out buys the book and goes back to his hotel room spends a whole weekend in the hotel room reading it huh. and i'm sitting there going yeah. now wait a minute you're in chicago with the cardinals cards cub series and you're spending your weekend hold up so i knew right then and there that he was very serious so anything he shared with me i took very seriously and i thought man we may be doing some things wrong here and then obviously when um evan i had evan with my younger son and you were able to be around it. It was kind of almost like on the job training. So I do appreciate you for that. Um, I think it'd be important for youth coaches to come out this weekend and hear what these guys have to say. And, and again, I've been touting this thing for, for weeks now, but it's very simply the 2017 Midwest baseball and softball coaches convention. It is this weekend. It's Friday and Saturday. It's at the Ameristar casino resort in St. Charles, Missouri. I mean to tell you, you can come whether you're a, a coach, a parent, a player. Okay. Friday night they got a great deal. You're going to miss this. They're going to do the. They're going to have some of these great guys talk, and then they're going to do a little VIP cocktail hour with some question and answers, and then of course the total youth oriented package on Saturday. So, www.midwestbaseballsoftball.com. I encourage you all to check it out. Non for profit organization that's going to the Challenger Baseball Program, which I think is great that they're mm-hmm. doing that. Yes, yeah. I know you guys do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, before I let you go, I do want to say that one of the things that I do think is great is as my older son has went through your program, he gets a real kick out of when you guys work with those programs and work with those kids that just want to come out and play. I mean, that is a great thing. Yeah, it's a, a challenger baseball. I, I teach a couple uh, adaptive PE classes and have an opportunity to work with a lot of the kids that end up playing uh, challenger baseball. But boy, is that inspiring. Uh, the kids really enjoy it. The our, our baseball kids that go out and partner up and play, it is uh, it's a great growth area that um, people can uh, learn how to enjoy and have fun together. And we we've done in the past we've done a uh, one day where you go out and play, and then we've also done a clinic with it, and um, it's inspiring. So we're looking forward to continue that, and um, they do an outstanding job of of running. Uh, that program and it's continuing to grow yeah I mean I the impact it had has on Tyler had on him I was very realized for me last year he had a conflict and I asked him I said but what are you going to do and he goes I'm I'm gonna go you know work with the kids he goes it's the greatest he goes it's one of the greatest things you can ever do and I was like you know coming from a kid it's kind of like wow you know you kind of wonder when your kids kind of realize what's important in life and to, to, to have that was just, you know, a good moment for me and, and just a tribute kind of to what you do. So I wish you continued success, my man. I'm not well, sure thank you. not sure where we go from here. Um, thanks for having me, and thanks for everything you do for youth baseball, not only my kids, but everything you're doing yeah. now of, of uh, sharing knowledge and getting people on. And, and um, it's, it's a, a, a great program you have here. And the, the clinic that you're promoting this weekend is, is uh, outstanding and and I'm going to make it over there. Last year I was at ABCA, and yeah. and I'd encourage the coaches that actually go to ask questions. Like, don't be afraid to ask somebody afterwards questions or whenever –
They have a, maybe a little Q&A at the end, ask questions. And um, first ABCA I, I went to, I thought I knew a lot about baseball because I had played on a state championship and played in college. And then sure enough, when I came back from that ABCA, I realized how much more I had to learn. And I still feel kind of that same way. So education's fun. Well, it's good stuff. We appreciate you very much here at Youth Baseball Talk. You're a great resource for us. Obviously, I lean on you and Darren a lot because I know you guys are great coaches and you're right here in my backyard. So I know our listeners appreciate you as well. They always enjoy when you guys come on and get a lot of great feedback. So I know you got to drive up to Chicago, so I'm going to let you go and uh, get out of here and finish up uh, with, with Justin and some of the other gang here on the other side. Sounds great. Thanks, Jim. All right, that's uh, Edwardsville High School baseball coach, Hall of Famer, Illinois Hall of Fame baseball coach, Tim Funkhauser. Uh, an honor bestowed upon him, I believe, uh, a year or so ago. Um, great honor, and, and his program continues to do nothing but rise up the ranks. Um, it, it's a it's a proud thing, I know, for my boys to be a part of. Uh, when we moved here uh, a few years ago, it was pretty evident to me how quickly that it was a quality program and just a great opportunity for my kids if they were ever so lucky. So I do look forward to the, to the season each and every year when the kids put on the orange and black. So uh, I appreciate him, as always, being on. Uh, when we come back from break, we're going to hear from our good friend Justin Stone and uh, see what he's got for us this week. As, uh, as again, Justin Stone is coming into town, and uh, you guys hear him here each and every week. You know, I do bring it up a lot only because he is, uh, honestly, the most talked about figure on my show each week. You guys obviously are impressed. Yeah, a lot of you guys have done the EliteBaseball.tv. Uh, you're believers. So uh, for those of you that are on the St. Louis market, I just want you to take the opportunity to get over there and see him because – you know, if you have the chance to not have to drive to Chicago, uh, again, he's right here in our backyard, and you should do it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Again, we are Youth Baseball Talk brought to you by the Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check them out at theropetrainer.com. See you on the other side. Attention, coaches, parents, and student athletes. Here at Youth Baseball Talk, one of the most common emails we receive from mom and dad are about the college recruitment and selection process. Far too often, these emails do not have happy endings. Let me tell you about our friend Mark Lineweaver in Perfect Placement. Perfect Placement identifies and helps you with important decision-making factors which are way too often overlooked in the college recruitment process. Such as, is it the right student body size for you? Is it a comfortable proximity from your home? Do they offer your desired field of study? How about extracurricular activities that interest you? And of course, the proper level of competition for your skill set. Once they've identified these factors, they will contact those colleges and speak directly to the coaching staff in an effort to help you. To learn more about Perfect Placement, simply check out their website, perfectplacement.com. That's placement with a Y. To contact them, you can email them at info at perfectplacement.com. Remember, that's placement with a Y. Call 310-921-8669 for more information. That's 310-921-8669. Perfect Placement, specializing in assisting your student-athlete. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed that first segment there. Again, that's a, a repeat guy that I've had on the show a couple times and obviously a good friend and somebody that I think a lot of. Uh, he's helped an awful lot of kids in our area, and everybody uh, just raves about, you know, just his temperament, his coaching ability. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm very, very proud to call him a, a friend. And I do hope at some juncture, and I always say this, that my my boys both of them at some juncture play what are meaningful varsity innings for him because they'd be better players better kids for doing it so uh, I do appreciate Tim as like I said I kind of lean on him and Darren Hendrickson a lot since they're local and I think so much of them as coaches 
Uh, now it's time to go to another guy I obviously think a lot about. I know we touched on him in the first segment. Uh, and again, I encourage, as this episode comes out, and it'll come out right before we start the uh, Midwest Baseball and Softball Coaches Convention here in St. Louis, Missouri, I do encourage everybody to try to get over there and, and listen to some of these great, great instructors. But obviously, you know, one of the ones that I think an awful lot of, and, uh, you know, with him being here in town, I just think it's an absolute must-see if you're available. Again, I, I know it sounds like I'm always telling people they have to do this, and I get it. Everybody's busy, and, you know, we have multiple sports and things like that. Kids do things or just family time, whatever it may be, work, of course. But, man, if you are uh, available to go down and, and see all these guys, uh, I, I, you know, I, I am so excited about hearing some of these guys, you know, Wedge and Champion and, Hendrickson and everybody, but obviously any opportunity I get to hear Justin speak is, is a, is a good time for sure. So, um, let's hear from him this week, uh, on his elite baseball TV training tip of the week. It's my good friend, Justin Stone, Justin, take it away. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here with elite baseball TV coming to you with the tip of the week. And although this may be one of our shorter podcasts, it may be the most important one we've ever done because as all players are preparing for their spring seasons, right now in a lot of the country, we're forced indoors. And baseball practice in itself can get very monotonous, but when you're in an indoor setting, it forces coaches to have to get more creative to keep players' attention, focused, and purposeful practice. And that's my theme for you today. I wanna make sure that every time that we step into a coaching, teaching scenario, that we're doing intent in practice with purpose. And so that starts right when we're getting to play catch. I see so often our players get out and we begin to get our arms loose. And I always say there's a big difference between just getting our arms loose and working on a skill. No matter what it is I'm doing in practice, and we tend to start with playing catch, so I use that as an example. But we work into our mass ground balls or, or fly balls or outfield work. We get into a cage. For that hour and a half or two hours that you are indoors in that practice, and it can be outdoors as well, I see a lot more players getting reps than I do getting better. And there's a huge difference for that if we don't have intent in our practice. What is the purpose through each drill? What is the purpose in that practice and are we getting better? Because if there is no purpose and we're going through the motions of, yeah, I'm getting a lot of reps, and maybe if I'm even working hard in a rapid ground ball drill, or we got 150 swings in the cage that day, but what were you working on? And if you weren't working on something specific, you were getting in shape, but you weren't getting better. And that's a big difference. I, and I use my own playing career as an example of that. I always wanted to be the, the guy that was the first one at practice, the last one to leave. And I always wanted to show the coaches I was putting in extra time and extra effort. And while that's all in good and building a good work ethic, when I look back, I don't ever feel like I was really working on anything. I was just taking reps. So although I was spending maybe an hour extra of practice than what everybody else was doing, that hour wasn't purposeful and it didn't necessarily make me better. So as coaches, when we get onto a field, we can't fall into the same trap. We have to make sure that everything we do, whether from our catch routine, getting position-specific drills within your catch routine. You can do that in short space in an indoor setting. When you're working your ground balls, what I like to do in my indoor setting is I'm not doing just straight ground balls or even varying them. Every time I come in, I wanna work on a specific play. Because even if we're drilling it and we're doing the same play every time, it could be a forehand, backhand, progressing into a jump throw, Remember that every play that we're gonna get in a game, if you expect your players to succeed in that play, you have better practiced it a thousand times in practice. 
and even the most athletic plays still have fundamentals to them. So I always integrate one new play in my ground ball, my mass ground ball work into that day's practice. Next thing, when we're doing base running, instead of just going through base running fundamentals, have your infielders or outfielders put a live defense scenario. Even if it's simple as my outfielders are throwing through a cut trying to get a player rounding a base. Yeah, we need more space indoors to do that, but it's going to make your base running more realistic. When you get on a field, that's much easier to do and can pit a live defense versus a live base running situation. And that's what makes base running so poor at the amateur level is that we rarely get to practice it in a live game situation, and that's the best way to do it. Finally, from the offensive standpoint, put pressure on your offensive players when we're trying to work situational hitting and bunts. So we have some sort of competition or consequences on our ability to execute situational hitting or bunt offense. When we get into the cage and we're working on our swings, when we do our drill work, our drill work has a specific purpose to it. With my players, I always like to have different drills for each player, knowing I know their swing flaws. So we may have three T drills we're doing that day, but all of our players may be doing different drills in that 3T drill scenario based on what they specifically need for their mechanics or their swing. When we get into our flips, yeah, there's going to be times that we're working mechanics into feel, into timing, where we just may be doing change-up reps over and over again. But incorporate inside-outside work, count work, where we're making it more game-specific to them and preparing them to have success in an in-game at bat. These are all very small examples of what we're talking about with practicing with intent. And you can think of other examples on your own, but the, per the point of that is making sure that every time that we come in an hour and a half or two hour practice, that there's a purpose for everything we do. We're not just getting our arms loose. We're not just taking ground balls to get reps. And we're certainly not just taking swings in a cage. Because although that'll get your players tired and fatigued and make them feel like they did something for that day, it didn't make them better. So when you practice with intent, you're going to find that your players are actively getting better in a much quicker pace, and that's going to translate to success on the field. To see some of these practice-specific drills, come visit us at EliteBaseball.tv. We have tons of them on the site. It's free for 48 hours. Check it out and help out your practices today. Thank you, Justin. I, uh, I guess I'll see you tonight, actually, or tomorrow night, I guess, as, the, as it'll be when the show comes out. Um, do appreciate you very much. And again, EliteBaseball.tv is a fantastic instructional tool, uh, whether you're a coach, parent, player. Uh, it's like, you know, chump change for some of the stuff we spend on lessons and things like that. And to be able to have uh, access to it at any time and to be able to apply it at your own uh, timing and, and the, the way you want to apply it and work with your own son or your team. Or, or however you want to do it, or if you're the player yourself and you want to get better. I tell everybody this, the, the best thing I ever did was give my sons access to it uh, instead of trying to just do it myself and then implement it with them. I let them watch it and learn. And again, both kids, four years apart, one obviously older than the other, um, both kids you know, just made strides by watching it and, and being able to apply it to their own game. And that was what was great is that even though the one was much younger than the other one, he still was able to apply it no differently than the older one. And it is, it's easy to use, easy to understand. And, and really at the end of the day, it works. So <laughs> that's what we want in all the stuff that we do, of course. But I do appreciate Justin and EliteBaseball.tv each and every week. Uh, the other gentleman that is a contributor each and every week is my good friend and, and trusted comrade who I uh, absolutely trust my son with and 
Uh, it's funny, uh, some of us that know Rick rather well and, and can mess around with him a lot kind of like to give him a lot of gruff because he's, he's an interesting cat, and if you've ever been fortunate enough to take a lesson from him, it's amazing how right in the middle of the lesson he may invent a drill <laughs> just because he sees your son or daughter because he, you know, he does some, some softball too with his, with his daughter and stuff. Whatever it may be, he may see them struggling a little bit with something, and he comes up with something for them to be able to feel what he's trying to explain to them. And, uh, I, you know, we all like to give him a lot of crap about it, but we all kind of sit around and say, you know what, as, as much crap as we get him, he might be a, a genius because <laughs> uh, he's done some amazing things for a lot of kids. So uh, it's time to hear from, uh, from my good friend Rick Strickland with his Blast Motion and St. Louis Pirates question of the week. Uh, this is a good one. Uh, I've heard this one a lot of times. Uh, had had a bunch of people sending in stuff, and I guess it's because it's the off season. They're seeing a lot of uh, hitting in cages going on. But a lot of people are saying, hey, I've never understood why high school kids or even younger and some college kids, why do they hit with wooden bats when they're going to use aluminum? I don't get it. I could see if they were pros. Is there a reason behind it? So Rick touches on that with his question of the week. Let's hear what he's got to say. Take it away, Rick. Hey, Jim. Hope you had a wonderful holiday and a happy new year. It's been a while since I've been on the show. I definitely appreciate you Let me have an opportunity to – to, to talk to the audience uh, on a weekly basis and, and answer some questions or bring forward some topics and information that we think may be helpful to you baseball. This week I got a question um, thrown at me about uh, why do kids use um, wood bats or practice with wood bats when they um, may never use them for that matter. And, um, since I started the pirate program way back in 1997, 98, I believe, we've always used wood bats. And one of the reasons why we used them uh, from, the, from the initial outset is because we knew that the aluminum bat was actually encouraging um, uh, improper swing mechanics and movements. And back in 1998, when you had the uh, Beaser bat, those loaded up metal bats like that, it was more prevalent at that point in time because the sweet spot of the bat was was much wider and larger than it is today. So you could take an improper swing with that bat and still get a good piece of the baseball and drive it all over the place. Um, we thought from a training perspective that in order to teach a kid how to swing it properly, that going the opposite direction with wood bats and using uh, a smaller sweet spot in training would, would uh, definitely encourage the kids to do everything right to be able to swing the bat more effectively. So that was really the number one reason as to why we encouraged our players to use it. And then right around that time, we got introduced to Perfect Game and Perfect Game uh, in its Wood Bat Association, things of that nature. But there's a lot of benefits, especially in summer ball, from playing with wood bats. <clears throat> At this moment, one of the, the things that I like a lot when I'm traveling and I'm waiting for my family and coaching teams is that the wood bat tend to, 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 to create a, um, a faster, more high-paced game, closer to what you would see maybe at the professional minor league level at that point in time. Yeah, because you're, you're dealing with teams that are, weren't as proficient or as uh, um, talented at the plate. So you, when you swung the bat inefficiently, the games would actually become closer. Now, as far as I know, uh, and, and I know the audience could tell me, uh, especially at the high school level, I don't know that there's any rules that prohibit kids from using wood bats during the game. But I'll tell you this, there's not a whole lot of uh, rules and regulations on, on bats when it comes to wood bats as there is on metal bats. And I can tell you 
when it comes to BB core and wood bats, there's very, very little difference in ball exit speed. Matter of fact, I would almost argue that depending upon which wood bat you got, which bit, uh, manufacturer you had, whether it's major league quality wood bat and even playoff quality wood bat, that those bats tend to outperform uh, on an individual basis uh, BB core bats because of the, there, there aren't any restrictions uh, on that. And if you get a piece of wood that is that is uh, got really good strong lacquer on it that's making that bat extremely hard, uh, you're probably going to get more bounce to it. Now, the, the drawback to it is that... Um, you, you know, you swing the bat a few times, that wood does soften up over a period of time, so you'll have to have one, two, three, four, five bats, depending upon whether or not you get good swings and break them or not. Uh, so it could be a little bit more expensive than than, than uh, only a metal bat. But I think if you get a really good piece of lumber, you'd be surprised as to how effective those bats are and how they're able to perform. We, we test them all the time in our simulator here. And when you're dealing with drop threes, there's very little differences between the consumer grade wood bat and the uh, the, the BB core bat, other than the BB core is going to last a lot longer. So uh, I think there's some misconceptions about wood bats and why you should use them. And I think people say, well, you only use them at pro ball. Well, we, we think you should be using them in high school. If you, you're very adept at picking out wood, you're probably going to end up getting a, uh, a better piece of uh, equipment to use during the course of the game. So. I can talk a lot more about uh, wood bats and, and the things that we've got and the philosophies and why they were adjusted and, and things like that with some of the regulations down there, but we'll save that, that question for a, a long, uh, another moment. But I would definitely say at this point in time, training with a wood bat is imperative because uh, you do have a smaller sweet spot on that bat than you do on metal bats. And, and if you can hit the ball, compress the ball on a consistent basis with that wood bat, you're probably uh, uh, going to do very well with your metal bat. So don't think in terms, and, and this is one of the problems we get into baseball, people always think in terms of major league, major league, major league, and I'm not critical of that. But at the same time, we want to become better players, whether we're playing little league baseball, high school baseball, or college baseball. And if training with a wood bat is going to make you better, by all means, train with that wood bat. So that's my opinion and my point about wood bats. If you have any more questions, you can reach out to me on uh, sandlotelite.com, soon to become rsbperformance.com, and then my other site, coachrickstrickland.com, which will be coming forward in a matter of days. So, again, extremely excited to kick off 2017. Keep the questions coming this way. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Good stuff as always, my man. I wouldn't expect anything less. I, uh, I, I highly encourage everybody to make sure you check out Rick Strickland Baseball. Um, He's a he's a heck of an instructor, and, and I'm really looking forward to watching my son flourish over with the St. Louis Pirates this year. Um, you know, that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, like I said, I, I've got the Midwest Baseball and Softball Coaches Convention that I'll be heading over to this afternoon. Really looking forward to hearing from some of these fantastic guests. Uh, my friend Mark Lineweaver's put on quite an event. Um, I, I'm surely hoping that the attendance is high. I'd sure like to see it where it should be. Uh, anytime you get this type of uh, crew together to try to help people and help educate them in something that they that I, that we're obviously passionate about, okay, everybody's doing this, and we're hoping that we're all doing it for the right reasons. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're just trying to help kids and trying to help them be better. And it doesn't matter if it's an ultra ultra competitive situation or just a recreational situation or kind of somewhere in the middle, which is really typically what most of it is. Um, you know, if you're committed to doing it and trying to do it right and trying to help, uh, let's make sure we're all on the same page as far as just trying 
to be better. Because, again, we say it all the time. You can go over there. I don't expect you to go over there and say, okay, this is all law and this is all Bible and this is all something that I have to do or this is what we're doing. I think it's like anything. I think when you hear from multiple people, you take little snippets out of everything. And I think you've heard as much on the show from some of the great people that are doing this and they're doing it time time in and time out for a living, really, and are tops at what they do. They all are continuing to be educated by other people, and they all say the same thing. They take little snippets out of everything and try to use it with what they already know or what they feel. A lot of trial and error for a lot of these guys, right? I mean, they've they've probably seen and done some things that they thought were perfect and thought, well, that didn't work. Now what do we do? So um, ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the only way we do get any better. So um, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing some of the information that, that I learned with my kids and, and maybe with all you listeners next week. So uh, for Jim Cromer, for Youth Baseball Talk, for my good friends over at the Rope Trainer, as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. I I absolutely encourage you to check out theropetrainer.com. It's a must-have uh, device. It's going to save a lot of arms out there, I promise you. You're going to start seeing them in bullpens all over the country. Uh, I'm excited for uh, the uh, the information going to be passed around between John Smoltz and Chris Verna with my good friend Earl Perrin out there at the Mohegan Sun Baseball Convention. Um, but, uh, but going forward, know that uh, – We have a lot of good people that want to contribute to this show, and they're doing it for you. So we appreciate them all. For Jim Cromer and Youth Baseball Talk and our studios here with Lineup Media Group, we'll see everybody next week. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.